4: Good afternoon to you. It is 108 here on WWL Radio in the heart of the Crescent City, New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm your guest host for the day. Tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday, my name is Ian Hoke. I'm the senior studio producer of Scoot on the Air and the assistant brand manager and program director here at WWL Radio. If you heard the handoff with Newell, which was probably like the worst handoff I've ever done, because it was too short. I didn't have enough time to say very much of substance i ran all the way over here man i sprinted sprinted from my office here into the studio and sat down just in time to see i had just a few seconds to come on the air with newell and tell him what was going on i'm a bit winded i'm gassed i was in a full sprint man and now like my heart's kind of pounding and i don't really want to start the show off like in kind of a panic you know so I asked Coleman to to cue up some calming music for me. So if you'll just allow me a moment, I'm just going to collect myself and get my feet planted firmly on the ground and we're going to have a great show. In through the nose, out through the mouth, ah. Visualize a peaceful space, a calm space, where you have room to let your mind wander, tackle the complicated issues we have on the docket today. This is a safe space. All right, I feel better coming up on the show today. Uh, are you ready for the end of civilization? Survivalist bunkers are becoming increasingly popular. We're going to talk to you about why and exactly what they're stocking up on. We're going to talk to a man named Ron Hubbard. Ron is the chief executive officer of Atlas Survival Shelters. That conversation's coming up in just a few moments. You've heard me make reference uh, on this program in the past to uh, the polycrisis. Sometimes uh, we talk about the long emergency, which is a phrase that I borrowed from one of my favorite uh, nonfiction authors on the matter. His name is James Howard Kuntzler. The long emergency, the polycrisis is, you know, basically the convergence of multiple different crises that we're facing. There's climate change, resurgent diseases, oil scarcity, water scarcity, economic instability, war. All these things seem like they're, overlapping and interacting in a way that may threaten to overwhelm our way of life. And there's a lot of people spending a lot of money at Atlas survival shelters that feel that way. So I'm going to talk to Ron Hubbard about his business and his clientele. And I think that's going to be a damn interesting conversation Uh, in the two o'clock hour. Really excited about this one too. Could we get a serious third party bid for the White House in 2024? 7 out of 10 Americans that say they do not want to see a Trump Biden rematch. So uh, how do we get that? How do we how do how do we avoid a Trump Biden rematch? Well, it's possible you could get a resurgent third party candidacy that kind of catches fire and takes off. It's happened before, not often in this country, and not to the extent where we ended up with a third party candidate in the White House, but you know, some folks got close. Well, it just so happens that a Louisiana local is running as a libertarian candidate for president of the United States. Why he's doing it and what's his platform, we'll get into all of that with Dr. Charles Ballet at 2.20. And then at 3 o'clock hour, I want to talk to you about Project 2025. Maybe you've heard of this. Probably not. You already know if you listen to the show often enough, I'm extremely online. I pay way too much close attention to the news. I have to do that because it's my job, but I also am compelled to do that because it's just the way I like to spend my time. It's just a thing that I'm passionate about, knowing what's going on. But if you're not like me and you don't have time in your life to pay hyper close attention to politics, it's likely that you've never heard of Project 2025. We'll tell you a little bit about what it is, but in short, Donald Trump and his allies have big plans to drastically reshape the federal government if he wins re-election. And this goes quite a bit beyond just, well, I'm going to retake the White House and, you know, install a conservative cabinet and, you know, you know, put forth conservative policies. I I think this goes quite a bit further than that. We're going to explore how with a man named Michael Linden. Mr. Linden is a senior policy fellow at the Washington Center for Equitable Growth. And he's a former senior official at the White House Office of Management and Budget. That conversation is coming up at 3.20. You already know the digits on the Oakland Art Jewelers talking Text Line. It's 504-260-1870. If any time you want to react to anything I've said or one of my guests has said, please feel free to do it there. Absolutely give me a call. Absolutely shoot me a text. I'll read 100% of the texts that you send in. I'll reply to as many as I can and the very best ones. I'll read on the air. So make them count. Scoot will be back on Monday, but until then, it's me and Coleman. Coleman's on the ones and twos. What's going on today, man? I just have to readjust a little bit. You do?
5: Yeah, when I saw the guest sheet and I saw you had Ron Hubbard coming on. <laughs> <It's>, I, <laughs> oh, 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 all right, well, I it's, thought
4: not, it was, it's not the same one. It's
5: way. not the diet. Okay. It's not right. the diet okay. diet. I did the wrong guy. research. Yeah, I read Dianetics instead. Are you
4: prepared for the wrong interview? Did you prepare? Yeah, I was for the reading wrong... about Ingram's and stuff oh, like that. Oh no, that's a different. That's a different show. Which I would actually be pretty interested to talk to. Talk to Elron. Is that guy even still alive? There's no I, way. I right?
5: no, that's why. That's why it shocked me when I saw the guest. You're like, wait, what?
4: Elron Hubbard. No. <laughs> no, L. Ron Hubbard's been dead for 40 years. Ah, sorry. that's why I that confused okay. me. I'm sorry uh, yeah, about I that. don't know a, a ton about uh, Mr. Hubbard and, and uh, Scientology and Dianetics generally. I just have kind of a vague understanding. But yeah, it is not possible that we'll be talking to L. Ron Hubbard today. Someday, maybe between artificial intelligence and modern medicine, uh, we just might have that technology. But uh, anyway, all this is to say we're going to have a great show today. It is going to be a little bit uh, wonky. Uh, we are going to be talking about some policy prescriptions and sort of uh, deep politics today. But uh, I'm going to set this forth for you in a way that I think is going to be really interesting and accessible. But there was a story in the news yesterday about the Florida Man Games. Did you hear about that?
5: Yes, yes. I'm uh, <laughs> very familiar with
4: it. Okay, so I did a little bit more uh, looking into that because I was so curious about the Florida Man Games. And all I heard was, you know, the 20-second rap in the news. And I went to their website and looked at the games that they actually do in the Florida Man Games. Uh, they gotta eat the butt challenge. What? Yeah, it's not what you think. Um,
5: I, I, okay, my hand was yeah. on a dumb butt. Whoa! Just now. <laughs> what
4: kind of challenge? No, they're, they they finish a pork butt platter. These guys uh, guys and gals all sit down and see who can eat a pork butt platter in the fastest time. It's just an eating competition, right? But it's specifically pork butt, which I did not know was so specific to Florida. I don't know what you know item, uh, what what food I would have guessed that they would uh, want to eat in the same way that we have, you know, crawfish eating competitions and such. Uh, they also have a weaponized pool noodle mud duel. Test your strength inside the Florida Man Games Coliseum, which is just a massive above-ground mud pit, basically. So and they
5: use the—I'm guessing they use the pool noodles as their swords. Yeah, the
4: foam pool noodles, and they Sounds knock dangerous. each other around with that. Well, you know, they're grown men and women. I, I Maybe they have eye protection stuff. I don't know. I've always wanted to get into a big mud pit like that, and I've never done anything quite like that. You know, they got these— the mud races where people mm-hmm. do a, these big marathons and stuff. Well, not a marathon, but, you know, these running competitions where they get in the mud. I've always wanted to do something like that. Or, you know, like at Jazz Fest when it gets kind of muddy. Yeah. That's not your vibe, is it?
5: Yeah. I mean, I like the Jazz Fest, but, you know, stomping through the mud with the ponchos. It, yeah, it's not, it's
4: not a... Oh, like I don't love the ponchos. <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's not raining, but the mm. ground is soft and muddy, I don't know. I like to get my toes kind of... Right. Oh, that's kind of all muddy.
5: right. Yeah, I can see you, you yeah. probably wear flip-flops, and I, and I wear shoes. To no,
4: man, I, I I learned my lesson. I think it must have been 2008. I had a pair of sandals I really liked, and one of them just just disappeared in the mud. I never saw it again. So I learned my lesson. Don't go to Jazz Fest in sandals. If you're going to be walking around in mud, just,
1: just go with your
4: bare feet. Right. Yeah, yeah, you could do galoshes or just go with your bare feet. Uh, a couple of my friends say, hey, uh, it's a great way to get ringworm. Maybe don't do that, but um, I don't believe him. Uh, there's a Florida Man Games called the Evading Arrest Obstacle Course. Where oh, that's you, the whole state of Florida. You, that's yeah, right. that's the game. <laughs> they got... you have no shortage of competitors for this one. You jump over fences, through backyards, and away from actual cops to earn your freedom. I think that sounds like a damn good time. Uh, I, they have to have good cardio. Yeah, you got to be fit for so, that. I think so- I could i don't know i'm i'm not in great shape I'm, i wouldn't say i'm an athlete but i think i could probably clear a couple fences
5: so it's basically florida simulation like they're just playing a, like yeah. they don't so they don't go into like the real obstacle courses in the real neighborhoods and they're on the bath salts and all that They just no. they kind of simulate the bath salts, <laughs> they, give salts. <laughs> simulate them. they give you a
4: handful of bath salts good luck out there buddy
5: is no. an interesting game most people should play all right type in your birth date and put Florida news and see what headlines pop up from Florida. I learned this Mm -hmm. trick a few years ago. It seems like no matter what the date is, everybody has a crazy Florida story on that date. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it would be like Florida news on this particular date, then just read whatever headline pops up. Oh,
4: man, of course it's behind a paywall. All right, I'll have to try that a little (laughs) bit later. I want to make sure we have time for uh, Mr. Hubbard, so I'm going to burn through the rest of these pretty quickly. The Florida Man Games has a Category 5 cash grab where they put you in one of those wind tunnels and you get to grab cash and it's supposed to be like a hurricane kind of thing. I think this is hilarious. They have a competition called the Catalytic Converter. <laughs> Two bikes and a handful of copper pipes race against time. Compete head to head in a race that lets you live a day in the life of a Florida man. So they, I guess you get a Catalytic Converter, a handful a of copper pipes, and then you get on a bike and you try to Outrun the other person. This is
5: getting me way too excited. for grand I know. I would. Six. I
4: would go to this in a heartbeat, dude. <laughs> I think this sounds hilarious. Uh, the Florida Sumo conquer the Florida Man Games Sumo ring. They, they, these guys are wearing like a like a pool floaty around their waist, and they're holding a, a pitcher of beer. And you try uh, to, to push your opponent twist out of the was, ring. Yeah. Yeah. If if you if you spill all your beer, you lose. And if you get pushed out of the ring, you lose. So. I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting, and it got me wondering too, Coleman. If we had the Louisiana Man Games, it can't be the exact same as the Florida Man Games. We're not the same. We're not the same as Florida. But it may got me curious, thinking what would be the, in the Louisiana? What would be the competitions in the Louisiana Man Games?
5: Uh, I, I would say maybe alligator wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I would say maybe crawfish. You know how who eat the crawfish most you know, crawfish? You yeah. Know, crawfish eating. You know yeah. how many can you? Uh, pinch the tail and whatever you uh-huh. know, stuff like that uh-huh. uh, uh, flash for bees competition hey i like uh,
4: that <laughs> i think everybody could get behind that all right oh yeah go ahead but no i was just saying let, let's step away here because i want to get mr hubbard in but uh, if any time today you get inspired about a, a louisiana man game that you would like to uh to enter into the docket here something we could talk about and then who knows maybe someday in the future we'll have our own louisiana man games when we come back We'll be talking to Ron Hubbard, who, again, is the CEO of Atlas Survival Shelters. Survivalist bunkers are becoming increasingly popular in the U.S. and around the world. We'll talk with Mr. Hubbard. He's actually making these things. What do these people need a bunker for? What are they putting in there? I'm Ian Hoke for Scoot right here on WWL.
1: (laughs) We'll be right back.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
4: Something has gone wrong, so terribly, terribly wrong in our country or perhaps the world that you have no choice but to abandon your home, flee to a remote location, and accept that the days of easy groceries and plentiful gasoline and electricity, effortless access to clean water and on-demand protection from law enforcement, those days are over and they're not coming back anytime soon. You're certainly familiar with this prospect already because it's been the central plot driver of so many movies and TV shows, they're hard to count. Stories about the collapse of civilization and the dissolution of our societal institutions are so common they become ubiquitous. Films like 28 Days Later, The Last of Us, I Am Legend, 10 Cloverfield Lane, A Quiet Place, Mad Max, Station Eleven, Bird Box, all show enterprising individuals and families pulling themselves together and overcoming huge odds to keep themselves safe from assorted dangers when governments cannot. They do battle with anything from zombies to alien monsters to marauding gangs, but most of that seems pretty far-fetched. But in our goldfish brain culture, we sometimes forget that we had the closest brush with collapse in a century not even five years ago. The COVID pandemic devastating and disruptive as it was was a clarion call for many that our ultra efficient, automated, streamlined economies are shockingly close to ceasing to function completely. To say nothing of the days of chaos and death following Hurricane Katrina, which was a highly localized collapse, imagine that but for a 1000 miles in every direction you have a pretty different story. Imagine that sometime in the summer of 2020, supply chains are stretching thin and then suddenly snapping and the grocery stores start to really hollow out. And I don't just mean toilet paper. I'm talking about essentials, basics, rice, meat, potatoes, flour, produce, medicine, diapers, baby food. The people that keep our lights on and keep our taps running, stop showing up for work as do cops, doctors, firefighters, because they have their own families to take care of. And pretty much every system we rely on for modern living, aviation, food production, wireless communication, water allocation, advanced healthcare, geopolitics, finance. It's all a spinning top that's been going for 70 years. And then it starts to slow down and wobble badly before it finally tips over and crashes to a halt. We avoided that fate in 2020, but the brush was close enough that people in key places realized how quickly things can go from fine to catastrophic. And reading now from The Hollywood Reporter. On the heels of Sam Esmail's apocalyptic thriller Leave the World Behind and December News reports that Mark Zuckerberg is constructing a 5,000-square-foot bunker under his ranch on the island of Kauai, the business of fortified shelters is booming. The one-percenters who can afford to pull out all the stops for self-preservation are doing so more than ever, often in a fashion that goes way beyond the submerged, corrugated metal units seen on reality shows like National Geographic's Doomsday Preppers, aiming to protect themselves from potential threats including civil unrest, cyber attacks, nuclear bombing, power grid failure, and drastic climate change events. Many work directly with general contractors to build kitted out end times bunkers, while others call on a handful of specialized companies. It got really busy, and it seems like the phone hasn't stopped ringing. World War III seems like it's coming, says Ron Hubbard, the CEO of Texas-based Atlas Survival Shelters, who notes that the news about Zuckerberg's bunker caused a buying frenzy. Ron joins us on the line now. Ron, thanks so much for making the time today. Nice to have you with us.
6: Thanks for having me
4: on. Uh, So you're seeing this surge in demand for these fortified shelters. Can you elaborate on the current market trends and how your companies responded to that increased demand?
6: Well, it's definitely been on an upward trend ever since the COVID started. Uh, The Zuckerberg news uh, started another trend uh, a couple of months ago, and it hasn't slowed down. But I'm currently in Israel right now. This is my eighth country I've been in in 10 days. But it's a global phenomenon, and I'm traveling the world doing bunkers. Tomorrow I'll be in Saudi Arabia, and the next day I'll be in Dubai. But um, the world's elites are building bunkers. I can verify that because I'm building them for them.
4: (laughs) That's damn interesting, man. I'm so glad to get to talk to you about this. Uh, 50% of your clients are women. Can you share more insights into the demographics of your clientele? What are the common reasons that people give for making this investment?
6: Well, I've made, I mean, if anyone see my social media or watch my YouTube channel, which is called Atlas Survival Shelters, I put out these videos on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, that show these bunkers underneath houses being built, and they're like, Well, God, that doesn't even look like a bunker. That looks more like a room addition or a man cave, and he turns it to a fun room. (laughs) It'd be kind of cool to have a safe room that is a man cave. And, you know, with the the flip of a switch, you can shut that high-security door you have and turn on that air filtration system, and you've got an end-of-the-world nuclear bomb shelter. So why the heck not? i got everything else in the world. So. I've made it kind of trendy and cool to have a bomb shelter because we we make these cool bomb shelters. But you know, I, I did a um, I did a video in 2019 with uh, Bill Gates, and it was called Why Is Bill Gates Building So Many Bomb Shelters? Well, he built like 11 of them at five million a pop, and he put them everywhere he could be in the United States at a certain point. So when when the shit hits the fan, he has a bunker to go to. So this was six months before the COVID started. So there are people out there that um, believe that depopulation or uh, a plague greater than um, greater than Ebola uh, is coming in our lifetime. Those words coming out of Bill Gates' mouth. But um, um, you know, the Chinese just announced three weeks ago that they have a COVID strain that's 100% fatal in laboratory. Mice, and if something like that got out, people want a place to go so i build a I build a bunker that is like a biosphere that if you go in my bunker, you're not even breathing the air that's on the outside because it's all going through a hePA filter and a carbon filter, wow. and I could actually protect people from an airborne virus, which is hard to do that but um, I make a bunker that's an all disaster bunker, people just feel like the collapse of the dollar, World War Three is coming, and they want some insurance. They want a place to go or feel like they've done something, and I give them an alternative. I give them a, a place that they could go, you know, 20 feet underground and hide. and yeah. they do it, and they're buying them, and I mean, my phone rings all day long, every single day, and it has been for quite some time, and Uh, They're pulling the trigger. They're not kicking tires. People are building these bunkers.
4: I'm glad you mentioned those air filtration systems, because I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Uh, Atlas Survival Shelters bought 711 of those in December. How is the company adapting to meet the demand for systems like that, that, you know, require advanced manufacturing, perhaps? Are there challenges in the supply chain? How do you make sure you get enough of these things?
6: Well, I'm not getting enough of them is the problem, so I I got a chance to get a a large order in with another manufacturer. But typically, I use nothing but Swiss-made air systems. But with the war brewing in Europe, the demand for bomb shelters and air systems in Europe has gone through the roof. So uh, they're limiting me on how many I, I can get. And Atlas literally holds the entire strategic supply for all of North America in one building in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. and um, these things are like gold, so we're going to have a run on them in September, probably right before the election, and uh, I want to make sure I have them, so I found another company that would make a bunch of them for me, so I gave them the largest order in their history, but 711 air systems is 711 bomb shelters, which that's more bomb shelters than I usually sell in 10 years, so that's a lot of air systems, but that's not all of it, In January I ordered another 200 more, So that's 911 plus what I got in stock. So I have enough air systems for about 1,000 bomb shelters, which sounds like a lot to you. But when you think of how many people are in America, (laughs) no. And if there was an airborne plague that started, these things would be more valuable than a a truckload of gold because it's the only way you'd be able to keep uh, clean air in your house or in your shelter. Mm. So I'm afraid if something happens like that that would be biblical, um, I want to have them, and I have no doubt I'm going to sell them all. I'll probably sell them all in the next two months anyway. But, you know, I my projected uh, uh, demand on these I think will be about 5,000 units in the year of 2024, which is uh, a, that, that's almost as many air systems as they, as they use in Europe in a, in a normal year. But uh, this isn't going to be a normal year with the, all these wars raging and uh, the election coming up, and you know the potential of so many threats to our to our global economy and our sure. country. Uh, people just want to do something, and I'm going to give them the answer. But uh, there's no short supply demand. That's for sure.
4: No doubt. All right. So some of these bunkers uh, have pretty big price tags, but uh, the average shelter that you sell uh, runs about two hundred thousand to four hundred thousand dollars. Is that correct?
6: that is absolutely correct okay. that's
4: about uh what does that get you about what what or, features does that, that come off. with
6: well it's five or six hundred square feet of living space i would have like two bedrooms a living room a full kitchen a bathroom and then a decontamination room a mud room and a, and a, a generator room uh, eight rooms underground so it's quite a complex uh, configuration but and it's also got an escape tunnel in case you get your entrance gets blocked off. You got a secret tunnel. You can escape out of it, but, uh, they're, they're pretty impressive, but, um, they'll do the job. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you other well, people say, if yeah. they're interested. Just go to my YouTube channel and watch the videos. You'll see them.
4: Cool. Well, let's talk about some more of the, the more high-end project. You got a $7.5 million bunker in Oklahoma, a $5 million bunker in Kuala Lumpur. What do those come with? What do you get for the $5 million bunker that you don't get for the $200,000 bunker?
6: You get You get basically every—you get the same thing, but some of the larger bunkers will have growing rooms uh, they'll have workshops. Um, I did a video. I've got a bunker for sale right now for 1.5 million. That's, uh, 10,700 square feet up in Kansas, but it would cost 30 million to build today, but it's a 1967, uh, AT&T communications bunker. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, somebody needs to buy that thing. Uh, Hopefully I get it sold this week, but, uh, you know, when you get into a bunker that big, that thing has a game room and a movie theater. It's got 18-foot ceilings. I mean, they're gigantic, <laughs> but it's a billionaire's-class billionaire's bunker, sure. you yeah. know. But um, you can have anything you can have in a house. It's just underground. It's just you got to have the proper engineering and the right mechanics yeah. to make it work as a bomb shelter, which is proper air ventilation, proper doors, proper engineering, proper depth, proper strength. Uh, proper water filtration, proper everything that you could survive down there for anywhere from a day to uh, a few months. Uh,
4: The Hollywood Reporter piece also talks about clients who request these add-on tactical defense components, some of which seem... a little bit bonkers to me, like a lake that you can set on fire, uh, water cannons. I mean, and look, I mean, we're all here to do our. If, if you want to build a lake that, that gets on fire, not, that that's did great. did not
6: come from me. That's not yours? That did not come from <laughs> me. And that's, uh, I, 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 I'm telling you, that is coming from somebody that is, uh, you know, these, these reporters, they don't do their background on some of the companies before they call them. They just say, You make buckers, okay, we're on an interview. Yeah, Atlas is by far. Uh, the number one manufacturer of bomb shelters in the world were the largest factory that does them. We're legitimate. Uh, We don't inflate numbers or inflate the hype to get more people to buy bunkers. We don't need them to do that. But the person who said that is, was uh, exaggerating. Okay. Uh, People who build bunkers like that, they're rich, but they're not crazy. Okay. They do want some defensive structures, but that, that i I looked up the person who uh, actually said that and they haven't actually even done a bunker project in probably ten years. So Really? Um oh that, that guy was a kook. He was crazy. Was as, that the
4: is, is that the safe guy? Or is that someone else?
6: I don't know what his company was, okay. but I looked him up and asked him maybe I go, Who is this guy? I, I, I know everybody in this industry and oh, I hadn't sure. even heard of this guy. Yes, yeah, so I don't know how they found some the guy. Maybe jump, try to jump back in the bunker business and put an ad out. Says, "Hell, I'll make a bunker if everybody wants a bunker, I'll make one too." Yeah, you know. But uh, uh, these people that build these bunkers, they're they're you know they, they they think it's cool that they're building a bunker, but they do take it rather serious because they know with a cyber attack or a. Uh, when World War III breaks out, you know, there will be an EMP and all the electronics will go down. They'll never be able to access their money or their and their billions. Mm-hmm. So they look at it this way. You know what? I'm worth $100 billion or a billion dollars. I'm going to put a million dollars in a bunker in the ground. I'm going to buy me a million dollars of gold and hide it in there. And if shit ever hits the fan, at least I've got a bunker and i got some gold. I don't know if the gold will do me any good in an apocalyptic world where... 90% of the population has died from famine or from disease or from uh, some plague. Uh, who's really going to want gold? But they're going to have bunker, and they're going to have a way to produce food. They're going to have a way to clean water. And they're going to be way ahead of the next guy. But this is an insurance plan. They don't want to cash yet. trust me. Mm-hmm. But they want to have it because you can't take the money to your grave. Right. And if we have an EMPC, so y'all actually had a cyber attack just, what, five days ago. I heard about it. You know, AT&T went down, they're not talking about it, but they said, oh, it was an EMT. (laughs) A solar a solar flare. Well, solar flares take
4: out everything, not just the community. Not just your one but, network, right. I got just a couple minutes yeah. left here, Ron. Um, in southeast Louisiana, uh, you know, between in- increasingly dangerous hurricanes, land subsidence, rising sea levels, we're always kind of living at the edge of the end of the world over here. Do you have clients in southeast Louisiana? And is this a good no. place to build a shelter, or would you recommend people find someplace else to go?
6: Well, they... Probably find somewhere else place to go, but I have done bunkers there, but they got to be watertight. Keep in mind, you could also do a bunker above ground. It's not as good. It's always better to go underground. But if you dig and hit water, you can't put a bunker in there. So it really depends on the people's land. Now, my my bunker is about 12 miles from the Gulf of Mexico as the crow flies, and I hit sandy loam soil, so I was able to put my bunker in on the Gulf of Texas where our family ranch is at. So it really depends on the person's land in Louisiana, if they can do a bunker there or not.
4: All right, last one, Ron. What's a must-have for your own personal bunker, man? What's what's like a creature comfort that you're going to want close at hand when the world is flying apart all around you?
6: Oh God! Every edition of Two and a Half Men. <laughs> I watch that over and over. <laughs>
4: that is a perfect answer and a perfect note to end the conversation, Ron. How can people follow your work, man?
6: Uh, AtlasSurvivalShelters dot com. But like I said, I've got a, almost a million followers on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Very good. So cool. go to Shelters dot com or. Subscribe to my social media. It's quite entertaining.
4: All right. Enjoy the rest of your Middle East. John, Ron, nice really speaking with you. What time is it in Israel right now, by the way?
6: Uh, it is 9.43 p.m.
4: Okay. Well, I'll let you get some shut man. Thanks again. My guest is Ron Hubbard from Atlas Survival Shelters. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. When we come back, we'll get to more of your phone calls and text messages. Uh, got some text messages here. Many variations on a theme. People are saying... Who the hell wants to live in that kind of situation anyway? I'd rather get vaporized with the bomb. Yeah, this is a a sort of bit of feedback I get from people when I talked about this. They're like, I don't care if society collapses. I'm not going to be breaking my neck to survive when everyone else is dying. Like, what's the point? What is there left to survive for? What is there left to be alive for? We'll talk about that after we come back, and we'll take more of your calls. On the Okanar Jewelers Talking Text Line, that number is 504 260-1870. I'm Ian Hoke, sitting in for Scoot, and we'll be right back.
3: Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey
4: app. The Okinaw Jewelers talking text line. Here's a text that says, yeah, if we ever have a calamitous event, as you describe, I have no desire to try to survive. I especially wouldn't want to live in a shelter. I especially wouldn't want to spend my last days with preppers. What's the point of living? If you're merely trying not to die. That's a great question. And I think about stuff like this. I
5: think I have an answer. What Well, what? All right. So think about it like this. Most of the people who wouldn't want to live the rest of their lives in a bunker, they only think it's short term. You're not living the rest of your life in your bunker. Right. You're living the rest of your life until everybody else who couldn't afford the bunkers dies. Yeah. And everybody's left is all the rich people you really want to hang out with anyway. So I can't
4: wait to go party with Bill Gates and Mark Yeah, So it's like all
5: the rich people they build in the bunkers because they know when all the riffraff like us die. Then they can have the world to themselves like they really
4: want it. I'm not going down like that. I'm going over to the, the emergency FEMA bunker we got on the West Bank. I'm going I'm going in there. I'm I'm and I tell you what I'm telling you what I'm not bringing with me is every episode of two and a half men. I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just saying. Probably not no, you know, no does no disrespect to his choice about what he wants to bring in his bunker with him. Uh that's not for me. Um but to to the texter's point, like, yeah, you're not gonna be in the shelter forever. It's inevitable that uh, when you come out you'll be running into other preppers and who knows if they're gonna be nice people or not. I don't think it's necessarily fair to assume that people who are preppers are bad people or mean people, people you don't wanna encounter. Seems a little stereotypical. But uh, this is the same question that has faced humans since we crawled out of the trees. Like what is the point of trying to survive if you're just merely trying not to die? I think it's easy for us to forget that Tens of thousands of years. That was the whole human experiment was just trying not to die. It wasn't, ooh, I'm going to, you know, create beautiful artwork or I'm going to, you know, you know, build a beautiful house or learn how to paint a self-portrait. It, just surviving and having children, having babies was the entire was the entire thing. And I think you do that in the spirit of uh, hopefulness for future generations that things will be better. And I think the reason that we have this cushy modern society that we have now is because this is the cumulative result of centuries of people aiming for something higher than just trying not to die. Let's quickly go to James on the North Shore. You're on the air, James. What's going on, bud?
0: Hey, man, Ian, thanks for having me on, man. First, with this, man, I think, you know, if that was me, those people could do better investing that money in other people and stacking up lessons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, sure, man. I'm not for all that. I don't believe the world's ending anyway. I think we're fine, we're okay. Matter of fact, Troy Carter is having an event Thursday in Kenner, so since the world ending, get out there Thursday. He's going to help people do their IRS and all that, get the taxes worked out. And uh this food and everything Thursday. So go out there and see Troy Carter. And another thing I want to throw in there real quick sure. is Tim Temple has a plan to get rid of the three year plan, which would kick a lot of people off their insurance uh, you know, policy holders would be kicked off of their policies. If you were say if you had insurance and they said, Well, like right now, we're getting paid. We're getting charged for labs. We're getting charged for primary care visits. I never had that with my insurance before. Usually my insurance covered everything. Yeah. Now, it's that this year, I'm getting these surprise bills and all that, and it's going to make it hard on a lot of people. So, please, call Tim Temple. Call your congressman. Call your senator. Janice, help us out. A lot of people out there have insurance, and we need this insurance. And what he's talking about is because these are working people. I am working. I invest my money in having a place to live after my mom passes and stuff. I'm not just yeah. out here blowing money. Sure. So for them to act like, oh man, it would be better if we kick these people off and then, because he said it would be good for customers. No, <laughs> if we die, it would not. It hurt a lot of us. It hurt a lot of working people. Indeed. So get behind that fight with us, Ian, man. Let, let's keep people on the insurance here in Louisiana. Let's get out there to Troy Carter Thursday and get some help from them and, um, Let's say positive. Remember, the world is not ending, Ian. The world is not ending. I like that message.
4: Thanks, James. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, the world's probably not ending today or tomorrow or hopefully in the immediate future. But, uh, hey, if you got $7 million to spend on a gigantic underground movie theater with surround sound and HD, Dolby, whatever, so that you can watch Two and a Half Men, go nuts. Uh, we'll step away here and I'll come back with a couple more of your text messages, suggestions for what might be in the Louisiana man games in the spirit of those Florida man games that they're having a couple states over. And at two o'clock, we'll do the news bomb. And then at 220, we're going to talk to the, one of the guys who's uh, running in the Libertarian Party primary for the White House in 2024. His name is Dr. Charles Ballet. He's an ENT doctor from right here in the New Orleans area. Really looking forward to that conversation. So much more interesting stuff to get to today. Don't touch that dial. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. We'll Be right back. Getting some good suggestions on the Okanard Jewelers talking text line about what uh, different competitions we could have in the Louisiana Man games. Dan in Bywater is listening today and said Doug Kershaw's Louisiana Man would dictate that one event would entail chasing a British subject into the Gulf of Mexico. Which I think is hilarious, and I love Doug Kershaw. Thanks for that, Dan. Here's a Texas says speed limit dodgeball. You drive through a town with unexpected speed limit drops and increases. That makes a lot of sense to me. I've spent some time driving around some of the small towns we have in Louisiana, and you're like, oh snap! Suddenly it's a 15, 15 mile an hour speed limit, and I did not uh, was not doing that. Uh, here's a Texas says Louisiana man game. How many hurricanes can you drink in ten minutes? and then immediately go to a takey-outy or a lucky dog stand and see much how you can eat inside of 10 minutes. Wow. Whoa, hurricane. I like hurricanes, and I like lucky dogs. I don't think I like hurricanes and lucky dogs at the same time, but uh, that's just me. Here's a text that says, moving targets. You have to shoot while driving by in your car. A little bit morbid, but on point. And here's a text that says, bureau grace. Now that I can really get behind. In a few moments, we'll do the news bomb get some uh, domestic political and international headlines here for you before we talk to dr charles ballet he's running for president in 2024 on the libertarian ticket we're going to have him here on the air with us to tell us about his campaign and his platform but first let's step aside and get caught up on our local news with chris miller i'm ian Hoke, and i'll be right back
2: t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours